parents, welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twiniversity. Joel. Matt. We got a doozy today. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. So we're talking to <laughs> Emily. Okay. And M, uh, Emily is a resident of Brooklyn or was because she's abandoned ship. And I can't blame her, to be honest. Where does she live now? She's in a Carolina. One of those. One of those. Okay. Ask me which one. I got a 50-50 shot. Uh, okay. All I know is Brooklyn. She wants to come back. I told her I'll call her when it's normal again. Right now, the city <laughs> is disgusting and out of control. And I don't care what people say that the city's back. City's not back. Nope. Sorry. Don't, don't, don't mean to alarm anybody. We're taping this, by the way, on June 21st. Of 2021. Or July 21st. It's not June Yeah, whatever 21st. month. Some, it's I was like, June months. 21st is my mother's birthday. It was like, oh, crap. <laughs> is it my mother's birthday? I just, we just don't moment. know what month it is, guys. Like, and I'm pretty sure you're on board with us. They, no, you happening? probably don't know what day it is either. I know what's going on. But we, I was talking to Emily. And so Emily has a fascinating, fascinating story about how she um, did not have a successful journey with conceiving her own children uh-huh. and decided to jump into the adoption pool and then surprise got a call unexpectedly that her um that the adoption was ready and that there was it was time and instead of it being one baby it was two whoa 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 so could you imagine no could you just no. imagine <laughs> but, but this has happened this has happened to us that's before, crazy though. Like, we did a podcast about another family who had, um, who adopted twins. Like well, I apparently edited that and then have no memory of it. Oh, I do. I could remember. I could even tell you what they were wearing because I was so like, oh my gosh. Cause for when you adopt, of course, there is months and months and months of paperwork. There's social workers involved. There's home yeah. visits, there's background checks. There is so much involved in the adoption process. And for all of you that are going through it right now, my hat is freaking off to you yeah. because that is a lot of work. And on that paperwork, one of the questions that gets asked is, would you be willing to adopt multiples? Mm-hmm. And Emily tells us how, when she was filling this out, it was kind of like, she was just getting it done. She wanted to have it done. And so they just checked yes. Never really thinking because really, what are the odds? You know, that actually you would be able to adopt twins. Yeah. And Emily got the golden ticket and she got a call that her babies were ready for her. And she had to like leave in the middle of the pandemic and drive out of state to Pennsylvania from New York Uh where her babies were born. And then her babies were born early. So they spent some time in the NICU and she ended up staying at a hotel and then having to move to a longer term facility because now that the babies were in the NICU, you didn't know how long it was going to be. And then once they were there, it was really a fascinating story. And what I loved most was she said, you know, you really don't need much. It's so true. It's so true. 
And you that's get all what, this crap and then you're like using diapers and burp cloths and that's bottles. It. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much it. <laughs> so if they have a safe place to sleep, a safe place to be transported, clothing and something to, I mean, you know, you could do cloth diapers too, if you want, or conventional, whatever you want to do, but, um, that's literally all you need. Yeah. And with her, you know, a surprise adoption, it brings it down to basics. What do yeah. you really need? But this was another podcast and I've talked about this in another, uh, in, you know, the podcast that I did with Lizzie about how I'm always so like hesitant to ask questions, but then I want to know. And then I'm like, well, it's a podcast. Can I just ask these questions? Because I'm really fascinated with, um, I don't know what the actual term is, but it's for people who don't give birth, but they're able to relactation or, or, ah, uh, yes. Like, are you, there's, there's a whole process for it. And as a CLC, I probably should know what the name of it is, but, um, Millie believes that with her eight nipples, she (laughs) would have been able to, are you Google? Are you looking it up in the book? (laughs) Literally I'm looking it up. So that it, ha- I know it comes up a lot when we teach twin diversity classes that I have a lot of two mom families and that you have the mom who's going to give birth. And then there's going to be the mom that isn't. And I always am fascinated when somebody's like, okay, yes, I want to breastfeed and I'm not the, the birth giver and it's possible. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a hundred percent possible, but I was really dying to know about that. And so you're going to hear what she chose to do about that. And I was interested by her, um, her reaction, but that was one of the things that I'm always most interested in because I'm just fascinated. I'm fascinated by the whole thing by, by just breastfeeding in general fascinates me, delivery, adoption, surrogacy. I mean, I'm really into kind of like the, the subgroup of our subgroup. And I don't know if it's because it's rare. And so when I get to have access to a family that I could ask unlimited questions to, I just go wild. So that's what, that's what today is. Today is me, today is me going wild, talking to Emily about her adoption. And I'm just really excited to see what happens. Another thing that I asked her and tell me if you have ever felt this way, but and I like, I feel bad about asking this and I'm just going to bring it up now and rip off the bandaid because I need to talk about it to not feel bad about it. But I asked her because you adopted and you didn't biologically give birth to these children. Mm-hmm. Do you ever not feel like a real twin mom? Whoa, that's it. That's a, I, that's a pretty ballsy question. It is Jewel. Do you see what I'm saying? I, but I, I know like Barbara I know. Walters. Well, I had to ask because I know that like, I often don't feel like a real twin mom, but Why? I am a real twin mom because I had IVF. I feel like uh, this was like BS like this. Yeah. I like bought myself a twin mom ticket. And so yeah. I'm always interested and I feel bad about this and I'll probably have to like apologize to Emily, but I'm curious because I know that the it's wrong to feel. And I know that in her situation, if she said no, then I could go off on a soapbox about how she's wrong to feel that way because we're we're going through all this. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are not facts, Julie. That's going to be the next tattoo. Feelings are not facts. A a neck tattoo (laughs) that says that. But then as I gain weight, it'll just get crunchier into my chins. It'll just stretch out. It'll be like ginormous. (laughs) Well, that's like (laughs) if I get like a neck tuck or you could see where my tan line is from always reading. Um, 
But I really, I love that I could ask questions like that. And I love that she was so honest with answering. And I can't wait for you to hear about yeah. uh, her whole adventure. Jewel, did you have any friends growing up that were adopted? Not that I know of. No. I had a lot of friends that were adopted. I still do, obviously, because they're still my friends. And I think about, you know, I want to, I always want to connect adult adoptees. Is that the, the term with people who just adopted? Hmm. Because I know this is going to sound crazy, but I feel like the, the kids, the, the adults that I know that were adopted have a different relationship with their parents and it's almost always better. Interesting. And I love that. I love that. I have a lot of, there's a lot of people in my circle that I know that were adopted. I don't know how that is now that I, but this conversation sparked me to think about the people that I know that are adopted. And, and it's only, there could be more people that I know that were adopted, but this is like my inner circle core people that we talk about. And I definitely know more people that I met as an adult that are adopted. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if perhaps there were, kids that I was friends with growing up that were adopted that I just didn't know about because their yeah. families were secretive about it. Yes. Because it was a lot more be. taboo in the 80s. Yeah. And a lot of times families just didn't tell their children. That is very interesting. See, now for us, going to the grammar school where the twins went. So the school that we went to was 98% Asian. Mm-hmm. And there was I don't know why this happened. I guess it makes sense, but there was a lot of um, kids that were adopted from China that the families, despite the fact not living in Manhattan, put their kids in that school. So I guess they could be with other Asian American children. Okay. So there was like super, you know, Italian families that had an Asian daughter. So there was a lot of people that we knew. And I don't know if it's just because that's just the school that we went to, but between I, the adoption is such in my forefront of thought all the time. And I also believe that it is because when we conceived the twins, we were just starting to look at the process of adoption Mm, because we had so, we had so many, you know, failures. Um, I don't even know. I hate to use that term failure, but we had so many issues that we weren't able to conceive that that was next and John and I had, um, well, I had really decided John had no idea what was happening, but I had decided that I really wanted to adopt a child from South Africa. Yeah. And in order to do that at the time, you had to be a resident of South Africa. Oh. So I was like, okay, how do we do this? How do we become, you know, do we have to rent someplace for a year? And then like, I was really going the long game with mm-hmm. adoption and I'm so, um, I mean, I don't think it would have really made that much of a difference. It was, it was, I guess, nice that we eventually conceived, but thinking about our pregnancy, maybe we could have done both, but we still were going to do both. Cause I wanted a big giant family. And after the twins, they were like shops closed. Don't even think about it. Yeah. And I still like to this day, I really, I really genuinely wish that I had more kids and I would love to open that door of adoption, but I will just wait for my grandkids now because at this point at 16, I feel like I'm closer to that than anything. Assuming else. That you're going to have grandkids. No, I'm going to, I'm going to find some and we're just going to, if we got to go to stop and shop and pick up randos, it's what's happening, Julie. (laughs) I know my daughter does want kids though. So we've, she already, and I know Johnny uh, does too. Cross our fingers. Yeah. But you know what, even if they had fertility issues, I think between like, you know, families, 
like Emily's and families like the ones that we know, I don't think that, you know, adoption would come up last on our list. Mm -hmm. I think it would really be close to the top with IVF and everything else. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for you to hear her story today and dig in and hear her responses to some of the questions that I have a pair of colonies to ask. So are you ready to meet Emily? Yes, let's do it. All right, girl, here she is. Okay. Are you looking to save a little money with your twins? I mean, seriously, who isn't? And if you're not, could you give us a call? Because we could definitely use a loan. But for realsies, let's talk numbers here. Okay, the cost of diapering twins with disposable diapers for three years comes out to, hold, hold, are you ready? About seven grand. Oh, God, it hurts. It really does. But hang on. Okay, so here's how we're going to save some money. Did you know that the twin bundle from KangaCare that includes 48 diapers comes out to only 1500 That's 5500 in savings. What are we going to use that for? I don't know. That could buy a lot of unnecessary things from Amazon. But KangaCare cloth diapers, also known as Romperoos, if you're Googling it, they're my favorite cloth diapers hands down. The Romperoos feature a patented double inner gusset which is exclusive to Kanga Care, and they help keep the messiest of messes contained. The 100% hypoallergenic interior is great for newborns and anyone with sensitive skin. They fit babies from 6 pounds to 35 pounds and are designed so sweetly and so beautifully that you're going to like literally, when you go to their website and you see all the super cute designs, you're going to be like, hey... I want a bag in that. I want, you know, sheets in that. They have the cutest, cutest fabrics. So all you need for your twins is 48 diapers and you're set from birth to potty training. That's not a joke. So use the code TWIN10 for 10% off of your purchase at KangaCare.com. Some exclusions apply, but you could check out their website for full details. KangaCare.com. Go over there and tell them we said hi. Emily, welcome to our Fancy Pantsy McNancy podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I can't believe you listen to us while you put away the dishes. That's good. Are we in your earbuds when you listen to the podcast or is it open to everybody? Usually in my earbuds. Okay, good. Because yeah, I know I was sometimes. This morning during the first nap and now I'm with you during the second nap. It's very exciting. Here yeah. we are. <laughs> I know sometimes we have um, cursing and it's not always like super bad. It's no F-bombs, but I always wonder, I'm like, baby's listening to this. I get nervous. So oh, it's normally during nap time that I'm listening. Okay, good. That yes. means you're yes. really listening. Yeah. Oh yes, I am. Well, mm. while I'm multitasking, but yes. I like it. I like I it. Okay. So Today, we got lucky enough to have you join us, and we're going to talk about your wonderful little adventure to 20 Town. Yes. All right, girl, dive in, because I don't know. I only know what you wrote in your little interview thing, but I'm dying to, to get the full scoop. So tell us about your introduction to Twin Parenthood. Sure. Yes. So the I can kind of give the short little tidbit and then go into more detail, um, but we replaced with our our boy girl, girl twins Lily and Theo um, through domestic infant adoption um, and they were five days old 
So we did not have, sometimes with adoption, you have some notice, like you might be matched with a birth family ahead of time, but we, we didn't have any notice. So we just got an email and we're like, there's twins. And so we, um, I wanted to come on and talk about, um, all of a sudden having twins without any preparation at all. So now Emily, when, so obviously you knew that you wanted to adopt. And so yeah. did you have everything ready for one baby already? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. So we, we came to adoption after, um, many years of trying to have, um, a biological child's. And so we, um, once we realized that we couldn't have biological children, we decided to pursue adoption. And that's a very short version. It was like many, many years in grief and processing and all that. But we um, decided to adopt and went through the whole adoption process. And I think because we, because it took so long to have children, I didn't want like a full baby room that was empty. Because when, yes. when you adopt, they tell you, you know, it could happen tomorrow or it could be two or three years. Yes. And so I made the decision <laughs> for better or for worse to prepare very little because mm -hmm. I didn't want just baby stuff around. Um, and so the only thing that kind of influenced me to prepare a little bit for one child was when COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So my, my twins were born in June, 2020 early June, 2020. And so March, 2020, when everything happened, I just felt like we're not going to be able to buy diapers. We're not going to be able to buy a bassinet. We're not gonna be able to buy anything. And so I like stress purchased the okay. bare minimum on the list that our adoption agency gave us. Okay. And just okay. threw it in a room. So you didn't even assemble anything. You're just like, we're just going to keep it in there. And that's that. Yeah, no. Smart. I would Nothing. do, I would do the, the same exact thing. We have a lot of families who come to twins via, you know, by, come by twins, either by surrogate or adoption. Everybody has different philosophies on doing thing. And I think I belong to the same school of thought that you mm -hmm. have. So yes, I would, I, I was under prepared and I yes. biologically carried them and still didn't have everything ready. So that's okay. Okay. So now, you know, that the paperwork is in, they know that you're willing to, you know, that you are looking for an infant, right? Yes. So did you express that, that you wanted an infant? Did you have to explicitly express that you would take twins or was it that they called you and was like, Hey, M's, we got a lot of babies instead of just one. Do you want them? How does it work when adopting twins? Like how, what do you tell the adoption agency? Sure. So there's, um, there, when you adopt, when you're toward the end of the process, which they call going live, um, you, there's this form that you fill out and you say what you're open to on like every different level. Um, and so one of the checkboxes on that form is open to twins. Hmm. And so I remember vividly, my husband and I were in like a really busy season of life trying to fill this form out. And we ended up doing a, like a WebEx both at work, just trying to fill it out and get it done. And we had talked about twins but we were, I'd spent a day with my friend that had twins before. And I was like, I never going to, this is crazy. Like, I can't do that. I'm not checking this box. <laughs> like everything's nuts. And, um, but we decided, especially with adoption, we thought it would be really special for them to have a biological sibling mm -hmm. and adopted family. Um, the adoption process is lengthy and it's really involved. And that was another thought that, um, 
you know, we would have two children with going through the process one time. Yeah. And so ultimately we decided to check the box <laughs> thinking it was super unlikely. Cause I think our agency out of like 130 placements a year, there were yeah. maybe six sets of twins. Okay. That, that goes for the, the world rate of twins. Uh -huh. So when you got the call, did, how much notice did you have from the time that you knew that these babies are waiting for you, for them, you know, for you to have to get ready at all? Was it like, you got to be here in an hour? How much notice did you have? So we found out, um, we got an email about them. I think it was a Thursday morning that just said, they would send us an email and ask us, do you want to be shown? Because their birth parents chose us based on, we had to make this whole book about this is Emily, this is Logan, this is where we live, all of that. Um, and so we heard about them and we had to opt in saying like, yes, please show us, which took us like two seconds to decide because we were so excited. Um, and um, that was a Thursday and we got a call on Saturday, just a wow. couple of days later. It was like Saturday afternoon that Sunday we needed to be there the next morning to meet them. Wow. Yeah. So they were still in the hospital. They were. So had, okay. Yep. Yeah, so they were born, they were 34 weeks. Okay. All so right. They were, yep. They were in the NICU. Okay. Which, so you, when you got to the hospital, did you have to go to the NICU? Like were, yes. were you? Okay. Yes. That's a lot. What, what was the paperwork behind that? Like, how does that work for you to be able to legally, especially in COVID get mm -hmm. into the hospital? Yeah, it, it was really up in the air. Like our agency told us sometimes they don't even let people in mm -hmm. to the hospital. Um, it, this, the particular ho hospital where we were, they were allowing one parent in per child. Okay. So if we would have only had one child, we would have not have been able to meet them at the same time. So it was, it makes me want to cry thinking about it. Just that because there was two of them, we got to go meet them together. Um, but we were filling out, I mean, you do all the process ahead of time, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of paperwork at the end. And we were, I was like reading out, out loud to my husband in the car. Wow. From, <laughs> like, do you agree? Yes. Okay. Um, cause we, at that time we're living in Brooklyn and, mm -hmm. um, our kids were in Pennsylvania. Uh, so we had a little drive to, to fill out mm -hmm. all the paperwork. Oh my but, gosh. So you yeah. get to the hospital, you meet your twenties, your Pennsylvania twenties. Yes. You're mm -hmm. there. And how long were they in the NICU before they were discharged? So they, uh, my daughter was in for four weeks, exactly Lily mm -hmm. and my son, Theo, um, was three and a half weeks before he was discharged. So did you have to like stay in an Airbnb or like, what was your living situation when you got to Pennsylvania? Yeah. So we, when we got there, we stayed at a hotel the first night. And then some of the NICU nurses mentioned a place nearby that and they, they told us it'll probably be a month. And so we ended up um, just renting a short-term apartment okay. uh, nearby so we could just walk back and forth. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you had a time, you had you know, half a week before Lily was discharged. So was Theo staying with you in the, the short-term apartment? And what gear did you even have for him there? Yeah. So I had, we had the one bassinet that we bought during COVID. Yes. Yes. Um, we had no clothes because they were so small. Like mm -hmm. we didn't, we had, we had to just buy stuff. Okay. Uh, we had a car seat and then our, you know, our friends gave us one of their car seats. It was a lot of like piecemeal. Yeah. 
But I found that you really need very little. Yes, correct. When totally. Really small. Like we had, we didn't have a changing pad. We didn't have, we didn't have much of anything until we went back to Brooklyn, like just the bassinets in the car seats. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you, now when you got back to Brooklyn and you knew that you were heading over, did you like order stuff online and have it waiting for you when you got there? How did you, how are you navigating all this? Because honestly, this is so stressful, Emily. And then in the middle of the pandemic too, that was like an additional layer of what the heck is going on. And now what well, it's a wonderful distraction, right? You yes. can't possibly have a better distraction for any worldwide pandemic than newborn twins that mm-hmm. you didn't expect. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. So how did you get the gear? Like, you know, the cribs and the di- more diapers and the wipes and the clothing, what happened? How did you get all that to Brooklyn? Yeah, well, I think a lot like my, my mom and my sister and some of my closest friends were constantly just shipping stuff to us in Pennsylvania. And so we had that and then we drove everything back, had more stuff shipped just to have there when we got there. But I mean, it was, I do now I tell other adoptive families now don't wait, even though I, I didn't want to prepare. I was like, don't be like me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause another part of adoption is they talk about cocooning mm-hmm. your children. Um, and so we didn't, no one, they were born in June and no one met them until August. Cause we just wanted to meet all, meet all of their needs and be the only ones holding them and feeding them and diapering them. Mm-hmm. And so that during that period of time, we were trying to also get everything we needed for babies. And everyone kept asking me, like, do you have a registry? And I said, I didn't make a registry. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, okay, I'll try to make a registry while I'm like figuring out how to take care of um, infant yes. twins at the same time. It was really crazy. But how we were we- also like very blissful because we've wanted kids yes. for so long. So I think that kept us going. <laughs> how well versed in the art of babies were you? Like, do you have a lot of newborn experience? You know, had, did your hubs change a diaper before? Cause I know teaching, especially where we are or where you were in, you know, the New York city area, there's a lot of people who knit, like there's a lot of men, unfortunately, who never even held a baby. Mm-hmm. And then they're expecting twins and they take our twin diversity class. And then it's like, Hey buddy, just a little FYI. So how well versed in the baby universe were both of you? Not I was not well-versed at all. Um, I think going through infertility, I wasn't like seeking out new pregnant friends, not in a negative way, but mm-hmm. I just wasn't, I wasn't spending a lot of time around a lot of newborns cause it was hard. Um, and so I think honestly, I mean, the NICU was probably our saving grace because they taught us everything. They got Lily and Theo on a schedule. Yeah. I mean, they watched us feed them. They watched us change their diapers. Like, so I, once they were discharged, I felt confident. Like all these nurses taught us what to do. I don't know what we would have done if they weren't in the NICU. Like I never would have wanted for them to be in the NICU, but it, it was parent boot camp for us. Yes, it really is. Emily, it's like a common theme of twin Mm -hmm. diversity is that the NICU is a saving grace. I'll say it myself. I'll be the, the OG of saving this, saying this, but I know everybody else does, but it's true. I didn't have a lot of baby experience either. And then when you're there, we were there for 31 days. So right where Lily was, um, they just taught you everything. So that is 
a weird little silver lining, right? That everybody gets so stressed about the NICU. And I try to express that to people that don't get stressed about it. First of all, it may never happen, right? But if it does, it's like coaching. It's like having like a, a full-time coach with you. Now, mm -hmm. when the babies were in the NICU, how long were you there during the day? Did you get to stay with them for 10 hours a day or two hours a day? What was the limitations of the hospital? Yeah, we could go, um, we could go 24 hours a day as much as we wanted. Um, I think at that time I was working full time, um, as a graphic designer up until we found out. Wow. And so I didn't want to just, I think the first week I took off completely mm -hmm. and then I started working, um, half days. So I would work in the morning and then go at noon through like eight or nine at night. So it was I've heard stories where people can't go, but we were, we could go as much as we wanted. That was very, very fortunate. Yeah. This is, there's so much going on right now. I can't even like, I don't even know what I want to bite into. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about our first night back in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. How did that go? So they, do you mean the first night we have both of them? Yeah. Like everybody home, but like in your home home, oh, not even home. temporary home. Yeah. So we, I think the really rough part was in, so with adoption, there's a period of time that some interstate paperwork has to happen and before you can go home. And so we had both of them home with us in Pennsylvania for a couple of days. And that was the most rough part because yeah. all night we just, when we went to sleep, my husband was like, I feel like we're going to war. Yes. That's so funny. It's true. <laughs> yeah. We're like, what? <laughs> going to sleep is not like a relaxing <laughs> thing. Um, so it's honestly, it's so hard to remember. I mean, I think it was nice to be back just in our home and start to get settled in, but also I think just being out of town with them and not having any other responsibility was so nice. Yeah. That's kind of a benefit of like an out of state adoption is you have this time to just like focus on them and the family and not um, like, I need to set this up. I need to do yeah. this. It's, so I think once we got back to Brooklyn, it became a little bit more stressful. Like maybe we should like take my COVID stockpile out of their room. And, like, <laughs> they can't sleep on the toilet paper. I know we have in there. 200 cough drops. <laughs> you know, I did the same thing. I think for, for the city too, being where we were at the epicenter of the universe, uh -huh. I think we went crazy. We really did. Yes. I think there's an element. I still have like a COVID drawer, which I just can't, I just can't throw stuff out. It's just going to be in there forever. It's probably going to expire. I hope it expires. That'd be great if we never use that. So I when, know. when you realize that you couldn't make a mattress out of cough drops, emergency and toilet paper, <laughs> um, when you got home and you started getting things together, do you think that maybe, or, or should I say this? When do you think it got real? When do you think that it hit home that you're like, holy crap, now I am a mom of two and this is for real. Like, did it become real on the drive down? Did it become real in the NICU signing the, the last document that you had to before you came back to Brooklyn? When did you guys stop? And not just you, but your, your partner too. When did you guys say like, oh man, like what's, what's going on here? When did it get real for you? I think my husband would say it became real immediately. Like the moment we met them, he just sobbed and I just froze. Cause I'm like, all these people are looking at us. Like, I don't know what these, what they're going to look like. Like, yeah, it took me some time to be like, okay. And he's, he was referring to that. He was, he said to one of them, like, that's your mom. And I was like, we just met like, <laughs> <laughs> I am 
when did it become real to me? I think the reality of like twin mom, the first day I spent completely alone with them, that they were completely my own responsibility. Mm-hmm. That felt very, very real. Yeah. So it was like, okay, I am responsible for meeting all of their needs and I can actually do it, which is like, feels like a miracle. Um, but I think there was, my husband had off, he, he had like three weeks off at that point and then took more paternity leave later. But, um, I don't know. It's, it slowly became more and more real. Is it super real now or still there an element of, I can't wait for it to like, I, I need a break. Like, is it still real to you now? Because sometimes even biologically, it's really tough for people to mm-hmm. wrap their head around like, oh my God, I have to take care of these babies full time. And I still have moments where I say I'm <laughs> waiting for their parents to come home yeah. and my kids are ancient. So, uh, you know, like now, now that the dust has settled, how does it feel being a twin mom? It feels good. I mean, I think it's, I, I think I went through kind of a harder because they were came in the summer. The summer was very blissful. You know, we could go out to the park with the stroller. And like once the winter hit in New York, it was, and I, I there, you might remember there was a couple weeks in February that it snowed so much you could not go outside. And yep. I thought I was going to lose my mind. So I was like, I can't go anywhere with them. Like, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, <laughs> But I think it's, I don't know, it's felt pretty real, like all along. I think just the being in the thick of always trying to figure out something new yeah, makes it feel really very real. Like, how do I get them out of a fourth floor walk up? Yep. Okay. How do I give you food? Okay. <laughs> how do you sleep? Okay. I feel like I'm always like very focused on what the next mm-hmm. thing I need to figure out with them is. That sometimes I want to back up and just be like, you're such a, it's such a miracle that you're part of our family. And yeah. I just want to enjoy, enjoy that. But I, it's, it's hard to, to think big picture and in the weeds at the same time. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. for a lot of our adopted families that not only with twins, but singletons too, because a lot of people come to us for newborn stuff, regardless of how many there are. But a lot of times with the uh, adoptive families that I spoke to, they're one of their first concerns when they know that they're, you know, on a list is that they're worried about their kind of natural instincts and they hear about trusting your gut and trusting your gut. Did you ever have a moment where you were worried? Like, is my gut going to be the same as somebody who gave birth to babies? Hmm. I think I thought about that initially, like Mm -hmm. just when we were in the adoption process, like, how is this going to feel? Is it going to feel different? Um, But I think throughout the time that we've had them, I've felt hopefully like I know what I'm not like, I know what I'm doing, Yeah. but I guess I don't know any different to know what it would, what, how it would feel different. But I, I feel like I have a sense for them, like as we've gotten to know each other since we met in the hospital. Yeah. I don't think it's a, it's, it's something biological that, I mean, it is biological, but I don't think that it starts in conception. Mm -hmm. I think that it starts the day that they're breathing air because it's a totally different story, you know, when they're kind of in utero versus when they're here and you're like, Oh crap. You know, like they just don't go with me wherever I go. Now, when you got home and when you were allowed to see your family, Okay. So this is when your extended family came. 
mm-hmm. what was their, well, not only before you, when you saw them, but like, what was their reaction to this whole thing? Like, how did your mom deal with it? Cause I imagine as a grandma oh to be, and especially going, having a child that had infertility struggles and watching that, that's got, that's so hard for mm-hmm. every parent to watch your child struggle, especially about something that you know that they want so bad. And now they got like the double, you know, golden <laughs> yes. nugget prize of all prizes that you were deemed, you know, like the one that is going to be a twin mom. How did your family handle that? They were, it was so fun to tell our families because we would, we'd call and say, you know, we got the call, mm-hmm. we met, can you guess, is it a boy or a girl? And then they'd guess one of those. And then we'd say, well, it's actually both. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. So fun. I know. So it was really, really fun to tell people in that way. Um, I think the combination of the, with the cocooning plus COVID, mm-hmm. it really limited how much people could visit us. We did have, uh, like my parents came up, my mother-in-law came and my sister came like COVID test, all the everything you have to do to come visit. Um, I think it was hard. It was hard on them to not be able to come right away for Mm -hmm. a variety of reasons, but we got like a, I'm sure you've heard of tiny beans, the little app. Mm -hmm. We would post pictures of them every day. And I think that was everyone's like lifeline to the twins and like how big their cheeks were getting and all of that. So everybody was elated when, when they could actually hold them and be in the flesh. I could imagine how much fun that must be. Did you ever get like a kind of pseudo baby shower? Like, or did people just constantly send stuff to you because they couldn't, you can't resist. I mean, it's tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone just, I think if it wouldn't have been for the pandemic, there probably would have been something like that, but everyone just sent, yeah, sent everything to us that by the time, and we just had a first birthday party for them um, before we moved. And that was like the first, it was really special. Cause it was the first time we got to celebrate them, like with our, our friends in, mm-hmm. in New York and yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we're sitting on our little babies, right. A little over a year looking mm-hmm. back now, if you were to speak to, to somebody in your shoes, Okay. Mm-hmm. Surprise twins. There you go. <laughs> what are the, what are the, I'm curious to know, what are the must have items that you were like, we were saying that you don't need much. What are the, what's the not much? So I'd say we had these, um, we didn't have pack and plays. We had these travel bassinets, mm-hmm. um, that were fantastic. They actually ended up sleeping in those until they were six months old in our room and you could carry them from room to room. So they were super functional for us, like in an, in apartment. Cause we could okay. during the yes. day move them out. So I would say the travel bassinets, um, the, we did not get a, a, um, twin Z until a couple, couple weeks in, but that was essential. Um, we didn't have a stroller at first. We didn't have a carrier at first. So I think the bassinets, um, just bottles, diapers, mm-hmm a wipeable changing pad. We didn't have one for a little while, but that's really important. (laughs) Yeah. They go to the bathroom. Um, (laughs) but somewhere you can kind of like perch them to sit, but we didn't, we had very, very little. 
what about this is a, a, a I don't know if I'm getting too personal and it's too late because that's totally what's happening, Emily. But did you ever consider it consider inducing lactation? I did not consider it. Like I heard that it was an option, but I yeah, I figured that I would take the benefit of being able to have multiple people feed. Mm-hmm. If, if I can't biologically have them, then I'll, I'll, I will take the benefits of sharing the nighttime feedings. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, so yeah. With there's like formula pitchers. That was huge. That's okay. Great. That's the Dr. Brown's one you were just yeah. using in your hand. Yes. Yeah, so they can oh, see you, yes. Emily. I knew exactly <laughs> what you were doing. So yeah, the Dr. Brown's formula pitcher where you can mix it. So the stuff doesn't accumulate at uh-huh. the bottom. So, and did you start at powder formula or did you go to ready to feed? What, how did you start your formula journey? We did uh, the NICU. They were on like preemie formula at the NICU and they discharged us telling us exactly okay. just to keep using it until they were and then our pediatrician switched them to normal, I think six months. Okay. So just powder. Yeah. Out of curiosity, since now legally they became yours in Pennsylvania, what happened with your health insurance? Um, so they actually didn't. So we, we got custody mm-hmm. or I don't even know if it would be called custody of them back then, but there's all different stages that happen and they were okay. not legally our son and daughter until April, 2021. Wow. Yeah. Just because of everything okay. that has to happen, everything yeah. that has to happen, but you can add, um, we had no problem adding them to our health insurance. That's fantastic. I know that there's all like those little details that, mm-hmm. you know, are, are really challenging and they it's, it's stressful to have to think about the minutia of an adoption, right? And that's not minutia, you know what I'm saying, but uh-huh. like you have alive humans that need to be cared for on a regular basis. Did the adoption company kind of get you through the whole process or at one point they kind of let you go and skate on your own? Like, when did that happen? Was that the April, 2021? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, cause you have to have, you have social worker visits ahead of time, mm-hmm. just to make sure your home is safe and you're could be a good parent and all that. And then after we were placed with them. That's what mm-hmm. it's called when you actually meet them. Um, every two months, a social worker came to our house just to check in, see how things are going. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a six month process where they're just kind of monitoring before anything legal can even be initiated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and they, yeah, our agency, they walked us through all of that. Wow. You're our, it, it's, it's very, I'm glad that you worked with an agency and we've had, I don't know if you've listened, we've had other adoption surprise twin stories too. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you've connected with some of those moms, but we'd happily do that for anybody. Oh yeah. Cause it's one of those absolutely amazing where, you know, dealing with what you dealt with and then getting the surprise. It's still, I'm, I got so excited when I saw you, like your story. I mm-hmm. love that because that's like, this is what it's about, right? Like this is, this is part of our community. You're, you know, you're a legit card carrying twin mama. (laughs) Uh Do you, but do you ever sometimes have doubts about that? Like, I know that because I actually had IVF, I feel like sometimes that I don't qualify as a twin mom, which Mm -hmm. probably sounds crazy coming out of like, you know, me as like the twin mom. Right. But Mm -hmm. yet there's times that I'm like, but they're not, they're not real. Oh, I see what you mean. So like, I know that that's stupid to think in my own head, but do you ever have moments that you're like, I'm not a twin mom. Do you ever have that because they didn't start with you? I think that I, 
definitely feel like a twin mom. I think I'm in some different twin groups and there's, of course, there's so much conversation about how do you breastfeed and about Mm -hmm. twin pregnancy and none of those conversations apply to me. Um, And so I think that's the only time that I might feel like, well, I didn't like tandem breastfeed these children. So I think that's the only time I felt a little bit like I didn't do that whole part of it. But as far as raising them, I definitely feel like a full twin mom. Yeah, you, yeah. you really are. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting that, that a lot of us convince ourselves of things otherwise, but it's not, it's, that's only our perception. That's mm-hmm. not actually the world's perception of what it is. So now you moved into a new home, you're yeah. settled with your babies. Yeah. How are things going a year later? Like, did you, is this what you thought it was going to be like? Well, I think, I mean, we just moved last week. Oh my gosh, Emily. Yes. How did you sign up for this? We are not settled at all. Um, So I don't, I'm just still kind of adjusting to our new, I mean, I go out for rock walks in our new street and there's not like a million people out. And I'm like, where is everyone? Cause I'm so used to just always seeing tons of people. And I'm like, where, okay. No one wants to see the twins. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I don't know. That's a huge, huge transition. I mean, we decided to move. My husband can work remotely. Um, and we moved near my side of the family. So my mom is nearby, which it just felt, um, like we needed that release valve at this time (laughs) with tiny twins. So, um, I don't know. I think the transition in moving away from, we lived in New York for nine years. Um, and so that, that feels like a real loss and it's a huge transition point. So Mm -hmm. I think it's been fun to see the twins in more space and what they're interested in. And, um, you know, we can step out on the porch for five minutes instead of it being like a huge yeah. production to get them down the stairs and outside. Um, so I think from a day-to-day life, I think it's going to be, I think hopefully it will be better, but we, we miss already miss New York and everything there. That's a lot of transition. It's a lot of transition. Emily, you have me. You could come visit me. I will yes. uh, gladly take you into my tiny apartment so you could see exactly why you moved. <laughs> <laughs> Exhibit A. Huh? So that's it. So yeah, anytime uh-huh. when you are like missing the city, please let me help you with that. Oh, yes. And then we could just switch apartments or houses for weekends uh-huh. so the kids could get that full city experience. Definitely. I think that's good. I know. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like house swapping. Well, yeah. I am, I'm, I'm so happy that you are able to play with us and that you're part of our family. And I'm glad that you feel welcomed. That's like yeah. a big thing to me is to make sure that everybody always feels good about being a part of Twin Diversity. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm Emily, too. I'm honored. I'm so, I'm so happy that you are part of us. Oh, thank you. I wanted to tell you, like, as soon as I remember being in Pennsylvania, kind of freaking out, like, I don't have time to to read anything right now. And I just search twin podcasts and I'm like trying to do stuff. And I listened to the one on strollers and I was like, oh, this is so helpful. Like I can get information while I'm doing other things. So you made a big difference in our very early, very frantic twin journey. Emily, that was nice. That was like, that was me and Meg. I know from Meg from Lucy's list that did that podcast together on stroll. I'm, listen, you know, I don't even know why half of the things we do, we do, but I do know at some point you never know what's going to reach that person. And every, every 
week, we have a team meeting with all of our Twiniversity mom squad and who, you know, helps with Facebook and who does stuff on Pinterest. And we're all together. And every week, the one thing that I say is I know that like, it's not, I'm not, we're not corporate by any means, like we're so far from it. But every week I say, how do we reach the person who needs us? Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that we reached the person that needed us. So thank you very, very much. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Oh, Emily, you are the bestest in the Westest. And if anybody has questions for Emily or I, feel free to email us at community at twiniversity.com or you could slide into our DMs on any social platform just at Twiniversity. Please don't like if you see other Twiniversities with like two ends or like something else, those are fake accounts. Those aren't really us. We're the one Twiniversity. So yeah, if you need us, you know where to find us. And if you too are surprisingly expecting your duo please reach out to us because we'd love to put you in contact with emily even though she didn't know that she just volunteered but i volunteered for her (laughs) see that's how we do it because that's what we are we are a community and we're here to support each other so until next time guys thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe and i will see you later alligators you guys know we love you right We know that you love our Twiniversity. It's why you're listening to our podcast right now. But often we know that you guys might need a little bit more support. And you may want a little bit more from us. And guess what? We have it. So you could actually sign up for a Twiniversity membership right now. You'll get the extra perks you've been looking for to expand your twin parent knowledge. You'll connect with other parents of Twinnies. And you could start building your twin parent village. It's 49 bucks a year for your membership, and that includes live Zoom meetups with other twin parents from around the globe, in addition to our Twiniversity Mob Squad leaders. We're going to have monthly guests. You're going to get your questions answered. You're going to be able to connect in breakout groups with families just like you. And you'll also have access to our Twiniversity private Facebook group that you could connect with other twin parents right then and there. You could get your questions answered again and have people help you with any issues that you're dealing with. And you could also find a twin parent mentor. We have a ton of people on that Facebook group and we want you guys to be a part of it too. And so now we're also adding another thing for our memberships where you're going to have full access to our learner library of videos that are videos for all stages of parenting and more concerns about raising two than you even thought you needed to know about. So to start your membership today, visit twiniversity.com slash membership.